I saw this article that was talking about like how to warm up your voice for podcasting and I was doing some of this shit in the shower earlier and I was like I don't know if this is gonna help me like <laughs> at all but it felt different to do it <laughs> were you ever like inquire anything or absolutely not oh really <laughs> absolutely not no I'm only known for running my mouth that's it <laughs> hey girl hi friend hi how are you how was your thanksgiving it was wonderful how was yours it it was good i was actually nervous because like i was sick as fuck coming back from texas a few weeks ago and then Mm -hmm. i got like a sinus infection and then it felt like a respiratory infection and then like we had to push back recording and like up until the saturday before thanksgiving i like was completely full of symptoms so i really thought we were gonna have to cancel thanksgiving which made me nervous yeah um but it went off without a hitch, and my nephew loved all the Christmas decorations, Aww. so it was worth it. Yeah, the, the sick is going around right now, people, so be be careful out there. Get your emergencies, and if it's time for your vaccinations again, get them. Yeah, I gotta get the, the whooping cough uh, oh. like vaccine again for my knees. I need to see if I can get the shingles one. Oh, good luck with that. My mom... I don't know was 48 when she like first started getting shingles and Uh which you're supposed to be 50 to get it she was two years shy and her insurance had to fight tooth and nail and it ended up like not even getting processed or anything until her 50th birthday anyway so it didn't matter so good luck (laughs) i got shingles at 26 that's crazy 26 yeah i'm 28 i got it two years ago yeah that shit sucked um i just had my two-year anniversary two years clean (laughs) so we'll see how this winter goes but i don't really have any housekeeping to you i have two things okay i went back and listened to the princess diana episodes Uh and i made some math not a soldier because it's so long (laughs) it's very long but yeah i made some math errors so forgive me um i (laughs) promise i'm good at math um (laughs) i'm not (laughs) and that's probably why you didn't notice (laughs) when i was saying them (laughs) out loud (laughs) um and then also while i was listening to that episode i realized last episode before after Peyton we oh, yes. said that Emily was gonna be our first UK case after we did the fucking princess the royal family of the United Kingdom so oh, god what kills me is the pure conviction that we have like we're finally going overseas <laughs> uh, we're sham. such stupid Americans <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to say that Princess Diana was an international case and this is our first true British case just yeah. to save us but yeah I, um anyway what are we well, talking what about are we, yeah. yeah okay <laughs> we're talking about Emily Longley um this was a case when you proposed it that I had no idea about um I had actually seen some pictures of Emily um most infamous infamously the one of like her with the two male buff guys Mm. that's like one picture i had seen but like i had no recollection of who she was Mm -hmm. um but this one the more i looked into it the faster i started typing and the more hot my laptop got so i was like really (laughs) fucking nervous it was gonna combust but um i'm actually excited to cover this one i think it's a really good one yeah this is such a like fascinating um you know look into just what like bad parents can really produce you know yeah. and um i also as a stupid american i <laughs> one thing about this case and i think it might be part of the reason why i like love it and go back to it is because it makes me feel better that like this feels when you hear this case if you don't know that they're british it mm-hmm. feels like it would have to be american oh but yeah yeah this proves that it's just universal this happens uh-huh. everywhere so Men are shitty everywhere, and... Mm-hmm. Um... Men ain't shit. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start talking about Elliot Turner. He is our perpetrator in this case. So Elliot was born in Birmingham in 1991. His parents are Lee and Anita Turner. Once Tur- again... Turner? Yeah, Turner, not Turner. <laughs> <laughs> um, once again, this is Birmingham, England, not England, yes. Alabama, yes. United States. <laughs> 
um his mom lee is it lee or lee lay his, oh that's his dad that's dad yeah his mom's anita oh i had a typo on mine what a what a dumb american <laughs> um his mom anita is indonesian and his dad is native british um i think that's only worth mentioning due to a point that we'll cover later yes. regarding the mom um but elliot spent uh, his very early years in solo hall Soli hall sure um this is going to be rough when it comes to these city there's and f- town names yeah there's a few names here that i am yeeks yeah um but it's actually a small rural town in the midland region of england he was born into a family-owned jewelry business named re porter where he worked part-time in 2000 elliot and his family moved to bournemouth and they took over the business from his grandparents now in his early adult years elliot thought of himself as a celebrity in the bars and in the clubs um which same that was me in my early 20s (laughs) Just because I went out every weekend um, <laughs> and he would go to the most affluent areas in Bournemouth, 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 whatever, and pool. Just pick like Bournemouth. Yeah. We'll just pick one and go with <laughs> it's it. It's going to change. Yeah, probably. Um, he went on to earn the moniker All Talk Turner by his friends. His dad described him as full of, quote, gangster bravado, which I don't like at all. I don't like that either. Uh, Elliot was a self-professed playboy who got lots of money from his parents. He gloated about all the money that he had and drank basically every single day. Below all of this facade, he was an immature, manipulative, jealous, and violent little prick who couldn't handle rejection especially from women mm-hmm. Elliot and his friends a lot of which were also from wealthy families called themselves the firm which who the well, fuck do these kids think they are <laughs> the firm of everything you could come come up with why the firm I wonder if like um have you seen that movie the firm with uh is that the Keanu Reeves one can tell you I don't really like Keanu Reeves Tom Cruise no it's Tom Cruise oh okay. Keanu, I think Keanu Reeves is the devil's advocate one have you seen that movie no I haven't even seen American Psycho. What? Is that bad? Yes, is that American bad? Psycho is so good. <laughs> yes, Keanu Reeves is in Devil's Advocate. Okay, so Tom Cruise is in The Firm. And it, I guess it came out before them. Um, it says it came out in 93. It's about like this super successful law firm. And they like okay. control like crazy things. Um, so way far off from these fucking kids. Yeah, but I'm wondering if like they think that they're that, you know? Gross. That when they would go out, they would drink $180 pound bottles of great goose and that's not like the weight that's like the, the currency British, of yeah. that currency which is bananas that it costs that much which is actually equivalent to 221 us dollars that's an expensive ass bottle of vodka and i don't even think great goose is that fucking good no and if you go i to, can't believe it costs that much if you go to costco you can get great goose in a kirkland bottle for this right. for like half the price and it's fucking delicious mm-hmm. but when they would go out they would surround themselves around the millionaires areas of sandbanks and clanford hills um which i think is like kind of gross like they're really trying to force themselves to be in these realms that they don't even belong in they mm-hmm. like they have no purpose being there um but elliot drove around in a black mini cooper but he acted like it was a fucking bentley and even <laughs> boasted about spending time in the pri- priory clinic which is a private addiction rehab and mental health hospital to kick a cocaine cocaine habit uh, he claimed that his grandparents paid thirty thousand pounds, which is equivalent to thirty six point nine hundred thousand dollars, over his twenty eight day stay, and said it was quote just like Kate Moss. What? Um, yeah. I listened to Red Handed, the uh-huh. podcast they did. They covered Love this because they're British, and um, they talked about that. What's the name of the rehab place that he went to? Priory Clinic. Priory Clinic is apparently mm-hmm. like the like uh, if there was a. Uh, american hilton yeah exactly in like malibu Mm -hmm. it would be the equivalent of this well i think i saw they have like two or five hundred locations so like they're a pretty big fucking group okay yeah so they're they're huge the only other thing from red-handed that i wanted to mention that they brought up because this is so british and i had i'd never heard of this Uh before elliot and his family and his friends would be considered part of the red trouser club and at first I thought that that was a real thing. Mm-hmm. It's not. Um, <laughs> it is. It's kind of like I the best American equivalent that I could think of is like wearing like people who wear a lot of vineyard vines that it's just okay. it just means you're like super like preppy and like rich uh-huh. and like have okay. that specific style. 
Um, mm-hmm. And it's so it's just the color of trousers that are associated basically with wealthy people in Britain. And there, Interesting. I found like a shit ton of articles about like how Americans have tried to like take this red trouser thing <laughs> and do it uh-huh. and we're failing epically. Like that's all they keep saying about us. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. So I don't know. Like Tommy Hilfiger did like a whole line one summer of just red trousers basically interesting so that was i thought kind of a funny there's just so many like british isms in this uh episode like things that i never knew about before but as we'll come to find out later elliot had very little to no respect for women he often referred to them as birds or bitches i hate that i know what the fuck is wrong with you the birds thing i didn't understand at first must be a british thing but Yeah. yeah don't like to only call women other things other than just mm-hmm. women like right. go fuck yourself the yeah. it's like dudes who only refer to women as like broads like broad right. doesn't have as much of a negative connotation but mm-hmm. and i use broad but like sporadically you right. know yeah yeah same but to only say it uh that's so intentional too yeah dehumanizing uh, very all of this is needless to say that he was just a sick and ugly person on the inside, and many of his friends went to go on would go on to testify that they never took a word of what he said seriously, which is like I find that pretty shocking because like they're part of this weird elite group that they formed on their own. But like, why would you not like ostracize him from your friend group and stop being friends with him? Because or maybe it's because of his money. Yeah, yeah, because he paid for everybody when they went out. Um, the jewelry company that they. The family had, or yeah, they had, it's no longer around, was established in 1971 by R.E. Porter. It was located on Post Office Road in Bournemouth. The business was taken over in 1997 by Neil and Elizabeth Harkness. Um, R.E. Porter was Neil's great uncle, and I couldn't really find anything that like really showed the lineage of where Elliot and his family came in. Um, on this family tree. I guess that's just worth mentioning. So Neil and Elizabeth uh, moved to moved the store to Wimborne when the arcade was redeveloped. And I guess an arcade is in Britain is an arched or covered passageway with many shops. Its route goes back to the Latin word arcus, meaning arc, arc or bow. And these were the precursors to shopping malls, which I think that's pretty cool. That is cool, but it just makes me feel so American that like an arcade here is literally a video game parlor. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I not, could... was not expecting that. No. Um, when they took over their business, they changed the business name to Portique. Um, it was really well known for their personal service and quality and their highly no- knowledgeable team. In June of this year, 2022, Neil and Elizabeth made the announcement that they decided to close their business following their decision to retire. According to Google today, the business is still open. It was actually open like for business hours today. So I don't know if they're still in the phase out part of shutting down. Um, but altogether, the family business was open for 51 years and it sounded like they had a pretty good fucking deal going on when they were closing. So hopefully you guys got some jewels if you were over there. His friends that call themselves the firm, they were modeling mm-hmm. themselves after something called the Billington Club, which is like private, uh, kind of like a fraternity at um, either Oxford or Cambridge. I can't remember mm-hmm. which one. That sounds familiar supposedly like it's like a private secret club so like nobody actually really knows who all belonged to it or what happened uh-huh. while they were there but like tons of like really famous politicians and actors and like um hmm. athletes in the uk were all part of this club um they it, there's also a lot of rumor that this club has ties to organized crime which is like back mm-hmm. to what you said about them calling themselves gangsters uh-huh. um that they really wanted to like have this persona of being this gangster thing, which is part Mm. of the reason why they modeled themselves after this club. But the only illegal activity that they had any part in was buying drugs because Elliot was a super frequent cocaine user. This is what he went to rehab for. And the cocaine that his friends testified made him violent and angry after he left the priory rehabilitation center he went right back to using he like didn't stay Mm -hmm. clean for any amount of time um and that he 
yeah, he was just like such a fucking entitled piece of shit that he just like couldn't even bear to like take responsibility. Yeah. He also dropped out of university at 19. He wanted like his parents were like, oh, go to school. And then he was just like, yeah, I don't feel like it. Um, and, and why would he like if they really catered to his every fucking need and want like why would he want to the only thing is for me college was really fun <laughs> I loved it so I and especially like if you have infinite funds like this yeah. seemingly college can be really really fun <laughs> uh, so I don't know also um, even after he dropped out of university at 19 he was still living with his parents at home they had like mm-hmm. a big house kind of in like the suburbs I guess but mm-hmm. then they had a separate apartment in the city that he had keys to and he would just like take people back there to like have parties and like hook huh. up with girls or whatever that he wasn't actually dating like that he didn't want his parents to know about and what then yeah, and then he would, like, go back to his parents' house in the suburbs, and hmm. he was, like, living there. And then another thing about the clubs is um, they didn't pay or wait at clubs. Like, if they did, they would, like, pay for bottles or uh-huh. whatever, but, like, they didn't have to pay, like, the cover to get in because uh-huh. they spent so much money there. And then, and they never had to wait for anything. And then when he would, like, go to the bar, he would buy, it, like, if, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever done bottle service or, like, seen this. but like, seen it sometimes <laughs> sometimes like your table with your bottle is super far away yeah. and you're just like chatting up some girl or whatever you don't want to go all the way back there to get yourself a drink and also he's such an asshole he doesn't want these like girls that he's hitting uh-huh. on to drink his gray goose yeah. so he would just go to the bar and get another drink and he would buy himself like a single premium drink uh-huh. so gray goose or kettle yeah. one whatever he would also buy the girl a double well drink. And it is like noted by his friends that he did this because he was trying to get them drunk to take advantage Ew. of them. And he wasn't willing to spend the money on them to get them like nicer liquor. Oh like God. They had to drink skull vodka what a flaming or whatever. Turd. Yeah. Um, so Emily Longley was born to British parents, Caroline and Mark in 1993. She had a little sister named Hannah. Uh, they moved to New Zealand when Emily was nine. Um, her parents divorced when she was in her teens mm. and she rebelled a lot as a result of mm. it. She started drinking a lot and partying and this was kind of what led her to wanting to move back to England mm. to be with her grandparents. Mm. Um, one thing that I do want to add is that I found that at a young age she was battling an eating disorder and also had uh, health and emotional struggles, which is when you bre- mix alcohol into that equation, like it's not a good thing whatsoever um i thought it was really nice that once the parents her parents did divorce they remained friends um i thought that was pretty cool like especially when you bring the kids into the equation yeah i saw like an internet um an internet an interview (laughs) that they were together like talking to bbc yeah um and this is like after the case Mm -hmm. after the court cases everything like they didn't really like need to be together you know and they still decided to like do this uh interview together so shows that they really were like friends yeah, good for them in december 2010 emily had moved back to bournemouth england to live with her dad's parents and it said that when elliot and emily met that they clicked right away and started quickly saying i love you yeah which is scary she was 17 and going to business school at brockenhurst college mm. which is called co- like colleges in the uk are not the same thing as colleges here right okay. like colleges high school and then university is what we call college. Oh, okay. So, but it, it is like a more specialized high school than what we go huh. to. And then she also got a job at Topshop. Oh, I miss Topshop. I know. I haven't shopped there in forever. I, the one on Michigan closed. Yeah. They all, all the ones in America shut down. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it was just like. No, they um, filed bankruptcy and they like got the fuck out of Dodge. Shit. I am way out of the loop on that. Yeah. She got a job at Topshop partially because. She wanted to be a model and Mm -hmm. obviously Topshop is pretty like high but attainable fashion. Yeah. Um, So it's a good place for a model to work at. When she first got back to Bournemouth, uh, she was partying a lot. And I think Mm -hmm. part of that is probably because she didn't know how else to make friends at 17 because that's kind of difficult. Um, And she had been partying a lot like right after her parents divorced. So this was just... Mm natural for her to like go right back to that and that's really how she met elliot because obviously as we've discussed so far they he was a huge partier so yeah so they made it a fit they meet 
very quickly make it official. Um, basically, he referred to her as a trophy girl. He liked Ugh. um he liked that she was like very pretty and would go places, go partying with him. Um, she liked that he was rich and super connected in the party scene. Uh, mm-hmm. that he might have connections for her to meet other people who could help progress her modeling career. Right. They were incredibly affectionate in public a lot of pda um but elliot was terribly ridiculously and grossly jealous um he started putting on weight after they got together um oh that's me right now too oh it is not (laughs) it is i need to Um, i'm the heaviest i've ever been you guys (laughs) it's it's just the world right now yeah everything sucks so we eat for sure so we started putting on weight probably partially because he was 19 and your metabolism starts slowing down for some people at that age right and also that when you don't take care of yourself your body just like does whatever it has to to survive yeah don't do cocaine although i am surprised (laughs) as much as they talk about how much he did cocaine that he was putting on weight because isn't that like the whole reason you do coke is to stay skinny let's ask kate moss so yeah so he starts putting on weight but she's a model and starts getting invited on a bunch of shoots um so this is kind of the first episode of his outrageous uh attitude she gets Mm -hmm. invited to a shoot by her friend emma ross um she in the photo shoot was taking pictures with shirtless butlers the picture that you mentioned earlier now were they butlers or were they like chippendales men because they looked a lot like chippendales dancers isn't that kind of what the chippendales thing is based on is like kind of like the french maid costume but for men it's kind of based on like the playboy bunnies with like their cuffs and the bow ties but like i think maybe it's just kind of like a loose interpretation of the two they were hot regardless they were hot as fuck yeah so march 12 2011 she does this photo shoot um so this is less than three months basically after they've met he freaks out about her taking these pictures which mind you they are they have pants on they're not naked they have pants on they're just shirtless Mm -hmm. and they're very attractive and he is Mm -hmm. not right he freaks out over this and starts threatening emma the friend that set Uh up the photo shoot i think emma was like an actual photographer and so was asking emily to be her model Uh so he sends emma his rap sheet and says that he got a harassment order for text he had sent to a girlfriend when he was 16 yes then he says quote stop trying to fuck up my relationship with emily and make her look like a whore do you know who i am a lad who has been arrested for everything <laughs> six violent harassment charges two restraining orders deception gbh i'll fucking kill them so fuck off you cunt don't ever talk to women like this don't talk to women like this second of all your girlfriend is not technically a grown-ass woman but she is mature and old enough to be making these decisions herself. Don't be dragging, yeah. dragging other people into this. If you no. have an issue, go to your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Don't try and blame other people. And also, he lied. He had one harassment order, yep. which was like not even that big of a deal. I mean, it's like don't fucking harass people to where they need to go to the yeah. police about it. But like compared to what he's saying that he did, he didn't have restraining orders. He had one harassment order, which in the UK are distinct things. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't remember what GBH stands for. Grievous bodily harm. But yeah, he like lied about all of these things that he says that he has on his rap sheet. Mm-hmm. Did not have them. And this just started them down this like really toxic path of like fighting all the time. Mm-hmm. He started like telling her what to wear, who to hang out with, where to be. He needed her attention 100% of the time, which I fucking hate this in relationships. He even went so far as to show up one time where she was with her friends. Actually, this happened more than once. But Mm -hmm. he would show up where she was with her friends and then go like pout in the corner until she paid attention to him. Like he would guilt her into. bitch. Yeah, like I'm sure he was going out with his friends on nights when she had to stay home and do homework or something. And she didn't show up there and tell him to pay attention to her. But on nights, because he didn't have a life, mm-hmm. because he wasn't in school, mm-hmm. didn't have a job. All he did was go out and party. Yeah. So he would just show up and kill her party. What the? F- that's a lot of fucking nerve, too, because as far as I found, like she didn't go as far as going the extra mile to hook up with other strangers and to gloat about it. But like, how are you going to go and crash her fucking mood and her night and pout like a little baby? 
Yeah, for like, sure. She's, I mean, not, she's not doing any of that to you. Fuck off. There are tons of nights when I go out without my partner, uh-huh. you know, in any relationship I've ever been in. Yeah. Where you just go out with your friends. You go out, you dance, you mm-hmm. have some drinks, whatever. Like my friends may be in relationships. They may not be in relationships. I might yeah. be trying to facilitate them finding a new partner mm-hmm. or we might just all be out having a good time just our, amongst ourselves. Yeah. Like not the level every... of insecurity there like, is terrifying. Yeah. The, the idea that you only go to clubs or bars or whatever, like mm-hmm. partying like this in order to find someone to hook up with basically is such a toxic immature view of Mm -hmm. why you do this well i mean that's also like boys town in a fucking nutshell too like oh yeah i mean completely different uh spectrums not spectrums um grades of people i guess yeah Uh, but and for those of you who don't live in chicago boys town is the (laughs) the gay neighborhood in chicago because yes, we only have chicago listeners <laughs> it's just his behavior sucks and i think it's only further exacerbated by a claim that elliot told one of his friends that he wanted to suffocate another ex-girlfriend after they broke up like i'm glad that these women had the wherewithal to leave his ass and hopefully never go back to him ever again but like who the fuck is he to think that he's so holier than thou that he can one talk about any woman like this and say that he wants to do this to them but like they owe you nothing just because you wanted to blow your parents money on them fuck off yeah he's fuck off um real quick i mean i kind of want to take kind of a hard left but not really a hard left but i kind of want to quickly talk about some domestic abuse statistics in england i love Uh, that According to the Office for National Statistics, domestic abuse-related crimes in England and Wales rose 6% in the year ending March 2021 to 845,734 cases. (gasps) The police made 33 arrests per 100 domestic abuse-related crimes in the year ending March 2021. So are those reported cases or... Wow. Yeah. The Living Without Abuse organization also states that domestic abuse will affect one in four women and one in six men in their lifetime. This leads to, on average, two women being murdered each week and 30 men per year. The Because of all of this, the demand for domestic abuse helplines increased in the year ending March 2021 with a 22% increase in people supported by the National Domestic Abuse Helpline in England, um, which is great that they were actually being proactive and forming these uh, services for people to go to and to call. Oh, God, that's so just why can't we be nice to each other? Especially why can't we be nice to women? Right. Why do you think you have some sense of ownership over them? Yeah. And I mean, like that goes for all like whatever the sexuality of any partner is like, don't they're they're your partner. They're not your property. Not at all. Uh, So and this is I guess that's a great segue kind of back into the next thing about Emily and Elliot, because this is what happens in domestic abuse or in uh, like abusive relationships like Mm -hmm. this so often. Right after they got in this huge fight about this photo shoot and he starts threatening everybody's lives, mm-hmm. he takes her on a super fancy vacation that <sighs> his mother paid for to the Isle of Wight, which apparently is a very lovely place in the UK. I mm-hmm. would like very much like to go there. I'm sorry um, but, he tarnished their reputation. <laughs> yeah, but probably in the summer because I think it rains there a lot. I mean, oh, okay. it rains everywhere in Britain a lot. Yeah. So. They were super romantic on the trip, but as soon as they got back, they went back to fighting. Um, actually, they got in a fight on the uh, trip that mm-hmm. ended in him being so angry, he punched a wardrobe door and mm. smashed it to pieces Jesus. in a wardrobe being like a external closet, basically. After they got back, she wrote him a letter and told him, she, the, like, you can see the letter. Mm-hmm. There's like copies of it online. Yeah. It's, it's a numbered list. And it says, one, I love you. Two, don't say you'll kill me. Mm-hmm. Three, stop talking about your ex-girlfriends. Four, stop being so constantly aggressive. Be more cool because that is so much more hot and you make mm-hmm. me scared because you're so intimidating. Mm-hmm. And two things about this letter is that one, the handwriting is so young looking. Yes. Like she, it's hard to remember because they are drinking. They're going out to clubs, like things like that. 
Right. But that's just because they're in the UK that they mm-hmm. are. She is 17 years old yeah. when this is going on. And she's still a little girl. Like, mm-hmm. oh, God, it just makes me so sad to think about, like, if I had been going through this when I was 17 and like we all went through shit at 17, right? Yeah. Like high school sucked. But like mm-hmm. to be going through this at 17, I cannot imagine. And um, her handwriting is so like little girlish she puts mm-hmm. hearts over her eyes <laughs> the lowercase eyes um and then the other thing about this is that for her to say i love you but don't say you'll kill me yeah just it that stopped me in my tracks that i was like if a boyfriend of mine at any point had said that they are gonna kill me and it wasn't mm-hmm. like totally joking right. you know like sometimes we say that jokingly, like oh my god i'm gonna fucking kill you because yeah. you're blah 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 mm-hmm. but like you can tell when they're joking 100 percent. if a boyfriend ever said don't say you'll kill me i would not be writing him a letter saying i love you and stop saying this because i want to be with you and it makes you so much hotter when you're not aggressive. being aggressive yeah i would be like uh bye-bye yeah block my number yeah we're not talking ever again that like shatters I- my fucking heart it's so sad that these girls feel like they have to stick it out with yeah. these men that don't treat them right because honestly the other option may not be much better you know right. true and but also be okay with being alone right i know well, we I have think- some listeners in this like age bracket so yeah. please if you're out there and you are in a, if a if a romantic partner ever tells you they're gonna kill you just go just go piece the fuck out i think one thing that i don't want to say worked in emily's advantage here um but i guess in some ways it kind of does is like she wasn't so a lot of ways they were codependent on each other so she she was not dependent on him in like a financial sense to where like he paid for her housing because he fucking lived with his parents but like he wasn't paying like for her tuition or anything so like in that sense i think i think i would use those as more of my reasons to get the fuck out like i have no ties i can cut this fucking turd loose and just be done with it but that's it's just so fucking disheartening but also you're saying that as a 20 what are you 29 28 we'll bleep this but i'm 28 okay yeah i'm 28 too it's okay um (laughs) you're saying that as a 28 year old who has lived life yeah versus as a 17 year old Mm -hmm. like even like you're not really thinking about well, he's not paying for my housing. Right. So like whatever, because you've never had to pay for housing before. Right. Yeah. You have had to pay for housing. So that's mm-hmm. something that crosses your mind. That's what's so sad about it. But that also goes to show like how underdeveloped their brains are too. Like we, For sure. I, I will always say that when it comes to these age groups, because it's terrifying to learn about, but mm-hmm. like it's, there's no awareness of it either until like it kind of happens and it's brought to the surface, which like sucks because then it's kind of like too late but it still could be the right timing for other people to learn about it but like we're not learning how to balance our fucking checkbooks how to save for 401ks in school but like they want to teach us some of the dumbest most benign shit but like i feel like this is something that we should include in like sex education and these psychology classes like this should be part of the curriculum um I have a lot of thoughts about like what we should and should not be teaching in school Mm -hmm. as a former educator myself, Mm -hmm. but emotional intelligence is absolutely one of the things that we should be teaching. And this is a proof of that, that neither of these people, neither Emily nor Elliot had the Mm -hmm. emotional intelligence that they need to. Or his parents either. Yeah. To engage in a relationship like this. Like also I just thought about this. Mm -hmm. She was 17 Mm -hmm. going on a private vacation with her boyfriend. I just thought about that. I wasn't even allowed to have the door closed when I was 17. (laughs) If a boy was over at my house. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. But also like she was away from both of her parents. Actually, sorry, wait, Uh we weren't even allowed in my room. We had to stay in the living room. Or if we were playing video games, we were allowed uh, to go in the other the other room where there was no bed. There was a there was a couch and that was it. And oh. we had to op- we had to leave the door open the whole time. Good rules. Those are good rules. My parents were very involved. <laughs> <laughs> hey mom, Hi, mom you're dad. listening. <laughs> dad doesn't listen. Mom okay. listens. Hi mom. But like, yeah, she didn't have a father. I mean, yes, she was living with her grandparents. Who I don't know what their age were ages were at this time but like her yeah. dad wasn't there her dad even when she went home to new zealand which we'll get into in a little bit he wasn't well aware of elliot like he learned about no. it for the first time when she went home so and the dad too like kind of broke my heart 
in the very end of it all, he was like, I feel like she thought she could fix this and could control this. And she didn't feel like she needed to tell me, which is like, talk to your fucking kids. Yeah. Like have that open line of communication, but it's also so much easier said than done. Yeah. Um, and like, that's not saying that, um, cause again, we just talked about this before we got on mic today that mm. like the families are victims too, that yes. not to victim blame her dad to say no, that like, this is his fault at all. But, and, and he may have been doing everything that he could to mm-hmm. try and facilitate that. And she may not have been reciprocating, yeah. but yeah, that's just, I mean, that's such an easy thing, it seems like, to be able to have that, those conversations with your kids so that yeah. they that you can see as the adult in the situation what's going on. Oh, my God. Every corner of my heart gets broken more and more. I know. In April of 2011, Emily, Emily, Emily <laughs> went home for three weeks to visit her parents back in New Zealand. This is only four months after Emily and Elliot first met and started dating. The day after Emily landed in New Zealand, her mom, dad, and her sister all went to her favorite pizza restaurant. And I wish I knew what it was, but like in my fucking head, I'm thinking it's either Lou Malnati's or like Beggar's Pizza. <laughs> those are like top-notch pizza places in my mind. While they're all together, Emily tells her parents all about school and modeling and brings up that she's been seeing a guy named Elliot and at this time Emily is I found that she was 20 at this time is does that sound right no she In was she was 2011 she died it so okay I don't know that was pretty consistent so I don't know where that came from hmm. um but she tells her family that she feels she's too young for anything serious, which I guess makes sense for a 17 year old yeah. um and that she thinks she's going to end things when she gets back to born Bournemouth Bournemouth it's she was aware of it and I think she was trying to do the right things but this guy is just so fucking manipulative that she would in a sense kind of do anything it breaks my heart another thing about while she was back in New Zealand her dad apparently asked her a couple of times if she wanted to call Elliot because it would be long distance and this was in Mm -hmm. 2011 11 yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah I guess we still had long distance calling then probably yeah. so he would be like oh do you want to call Elliot and she was just like no I'm good good and then she had started to tell her mom when she was with her that she was like thinking about maybe breaking up with Elliot when she got back because she knew that he was like super controlling and um like didn't really you know see a, f- a future with Elliot mm-hmm. which again she's 17 she's way too um, young when she was leaving like her parents were taking her back to the airport. She didn't dress up when to go, like go to the airport, which again, mm-hmm. she's a model. She works at top shop, like fashion and looking good and all of yeah. those things. She's 17. All that is like very important for her mm-hmm. versus like me. When I go to the airport, I literally <laughs> wear joggers and a sweatshirt yeah, every I, single time. I will never understand those that get fucking dressed to the nines. I just want to be know. comfortable. Like Same. those chairs are not comfortable at no, all. <laughs> and I'm always cold. Yes. But yeah, so she didn't get dressed up. Which, like, they were pretty sure that Elliot was supposed to pick her up from the airport when she got back. So, like, wouldn't you want to look cute for your boyfriend when you got right. back? Unless you're already breaking up with him. Yeah. Um, And then also, she, when her mom, like, got back to their house, they realized that she had disposed of a lot of her belongings from their house. And, like, part mm. of that is probably, like, you know, she had grown up a little bit in the six months yeah. that she'd been gone. And, like, didn't want to, like, have all this, like, kid stuff around whenever she did come visit but also her mom just felt like it was like a very clear sign that like she oh. knew that she might not be coming back at all. Oh no. That really <sighs> breaks my heart. And like what really broke my heart too, is that in an interview from her dad with an Australian magazine, that's life. He said how hard it was to say goodbye to her at the end of that trip, but that she was planning on coming back in five weeks for the rugby world cup. Oh, I know. So April 30th, 2011, she goes back to Britain and Elliot asks her to meet him out at a bar that one of his friends owned called Bella Rosa in mm-hmm. Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. Um, he often referred to this bar as the firm's HQ. Ew. His little his little boy club, his oh, the what? firm. Um, so she gets there. Elliot ignores her all night and was trying to make her jealous by flirting and dancing with other girls. Ugh. So Emily gets really mad at him and they start a fight in the middle of the, the bar. Mm-hmm. And Again, reminder for all the Americans out there, there's CC television yes. everywhere in yes. Britain. So most places you can see what's going on. Mm-hmm. But somehow it's just off the edge of the tape that they're looking at this. But mm-hmm. her friends all testified to this, 
that he bashed her head into a table during this mm-hmm. fight. I, I, if I saw that, I think I would come completely unfucking hinged. Same. I can't believe another patron in this bar didn't like do anything. Yeah, I would lay. I mean, I, I probably wouldn't lay his ass out, but I would get someone to fight his ass. <laughs> it wouldn't yeah, be me, but I am a woman, and I would probably attempt to fight this bitch. Yeah. So after he bashes her head into the table, he walks away, smashes a glass on the floor, and like goes into the bathroom. Um, he goes off. He goes off the CCTV. They they don't know exactly mm-hmm. where he went. Um, her friends took her and left her, or took her. They left the bar, and mm-hmm. she didn't see him again. Um. So the next day, she's like thinking about breaking up with her. But he keeps getting angrier. He hacks into her Facebook oh. um, and saw that she had gone on a date with another guy via her messages, mm-hmm. but it was like not actually a date. It was like really some sort of friendly, more friendly meeting. He mm-hmm. just blew it out of proportion because he's so fucking insecure. Yeah. Um. So then he goes and tries to find that guy. Like he does some probably two minutes worth of Google searching to right. find him. He tells his friend Ashley Costello, who is like kind of a like the guy that's like the guy that he left the voicemail on. Like mm-hmm. this is like one of his best friends Okay, that he's going to go beat this guy in with a mallet. Mm. And um, he also was saying that he was going to kill Emily uh, and that he even told one person like not Ashley. It was like somebody less close to him. Mm-hmm. But he told somebody that he had killed her, um, yeah. even though he had not at this point. The so fuck they, is wrong with him? So that was April 30th and then May 1st, all of that happened that he like mm-hmm. hacks into her Facebook. The morning of May 5th, she breaks up with him after he she hears that he's been telling people that he hit her with a mallet, that he mm-hmm. murdered her, blah, 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 blah. She sends him a text and sa- it says, quote, hit me with a mallet, question mark. <laughs> Do whatever you want to me. I will never get back with you. I actually hate you with four exclamation points. Oh. Which good for um, her, but I don't believe that she would not have not gotten back with him, unfortunately. But that's also like not something you tell someone like that, you know, like no. in, especially in that manner too. not defending this dickhead at all. But yeah, um, but that's the immaturity part, right? That she yeah. just doesn't even know that, that right. to just to just walk away, just be like, mm-hmm. hey, we're done. Bye. Mm-hmm. Block you. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes out. And to hang out with friends, he discusses multiple ways to murder her and decided on strangulation. <laughs> then on May 7th, he follows her. Emily had gone out with her friends to a bar called Cafe Shore. Mm-hmm. Um, Elliot and his friends followed. He starts braiding her in the middle of the bar, calling her a whore. Emily throws <laughs> a drink on him. He throws a massive tantrum and starts screaming about how he's going to kill her in the middle of this bar. Oh, God. Um, he starts texting his mom about how angry he was. These texts she... blow my fucking mind. Do you have the actual text? I didn't write yes. it down, I guess. Yes. Yes. So at 10.15 p.m., Elliot texts his mom, quote, I could fucking break Emily's neck and beat the fuck out of her. I'm going nuts. The only reason I didn't flip is because my best pal is with me. His mom, <laughs> Anita, replies, don't do anything inappropriate Elliot you are so young you have so much life ahead of you love mom I'm going to bed now kiss kiss <laughs> and then he texted a friend quote I'm going to kick this bitch in the head hello darling have you met Mrs. Mallet <gasps> oh my god I didn't hear that one like please stay fucking stupid like this but yeah Jesus Jesus and the mom like did nothing okay have fun basically take care don't do nothing yeah. stupid what the fuck? I know. Just the the uh, entitlement and the enabling. Yes. Um, so terrible. So the, she leaves the bar. You can see on the CCTV footage mm-hmm. her leaving the bar. It's mm-hmm. so eerie. Yes. Um, I hate when they like I, I'm glad that we have it, but I hate seeing this stuff because, you know, it's one of the last few times they're ever going to be seen. Yeah. So they leave this bar. Um, he almost immediately follows, but she goes to another friend's house he somehow ends up following her there mm-hmm. and probably drunk driving in his fucking Mini Cooper, which don't oh, 100%. drunk drive people. No. They argue and then made up and she gets in the car with him. Mm. She thought that he was going to take her back to her house, but then he ends up taking her back to his parents' house. Mm-hmm. And 
that is the last time that Emily has ever seen alive. Yikes. So according to the coroner's report, Emily died at 1 a.m., like very shortly after they arrived back at his house. Um, mm-hmm. he His mom had said that she was going to bed at 10, whatever that text message mm-hmm. was. And she claims that she did not know anything until the next morning. But if you're having like a violent fight with somebody, do you really think that you're going to stay asleep? I mean, like my mom complains about that shit all the time that like when now that she has kids, like before she had kids, she slept through anything. Mm -hmm. Now that she has kids, the slightest noise wakes her up. I'm sure. Well, because especially just, like as a baby, like you got to listen out for everything. That... Yeah. So I I have a hard time believing that she really slept through a one a.m. Not a chance. Murder. <laughs> Not a goddamn chance. Um, and then so yeah. So the next morning, Mrs. Turner calls her husband at nine sixteen and says that Emily was dead. No one's called in British it's, or in Britain and not in British. It's not a mm-hmm. different language um, <laughs> in Britain. It's nine nine nine. But in mm-hmm. America, it's nine one one. No one's called nine 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 yet. Um, she calls her husband at nine sixteen, saying that Emily is dead. Her husband comes home. And then finally, at nine fifty six a.m., they call nine 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 and say that they tried to wake her up, but she wasn't waking. They said that she had a necklace tightly wrapped around her neck and the 999 operator told her to take the necklace off of Emily. Mm-hmm. The police said that, or when the paramedics show up, Elliot starts talking about that they got into a big fight but the night before, says that she tried to attack him. Mm-hmm. He grabbed her neck for a few seconds and then pushed her down on the bed. Mm-hmm. And then she died. <sighs> but everybody at the scene that morning does not believe a fucking word coming out of his mouth. Thank God. So they immediately start looking at him. But he gets arrested within like a week. Mm-hmm. Once he got arrested, he wouldn't talk to the police. And her autopsy was actually inconclusive. Mm. When they came to arrest him, he had his passport in his pocket and his bags were packed. Wow. And the theory is that possibly he was going to escape to Indonesia where mm-hmm. his mother was from. It's so fucking infuriating that you would just like let your kid get away with that right he was released on bail the next day he immediately went back to partying but took it to a whole new level and when his when he got released his mom gave him a fresh credit card for him Mm. to max out again god damn then the police got a warrant to bug the turner's house Mm -hmm. um so it was bugged from may 18th to june 14th police said that this was the police had to prove in their warrant that this was their only option Mm -hmm. uh in order to like get the truth out of him he wasn't talking to anybody there was no other evidence that they could obtain at that time so the dorset chief constable authorized the warrant they had 23 separate recordings that they ended up using in the trial. Um, apparently the like bugs that they were using listened all day long, but they actually had to like sit there and manually start a recording if they oh. like thought that they were going to start saying something that huh. was worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had 23 separate recordings. They discovered in those recordings that Elliot's father had destroyed a confession letter from him. Mm-hmm. And that another thing is they were pretty sure that he had strangled her like with his own arm, basically Mm -hmm. like a a wrestling headlock. Yeah. Headlock. They discovered after the, um, or during the recordings that he had a shirt that had her makeup in the elbow crook, but nowhere Mm. else on the shirt, which Mm -hmm. like if you were having a, if she was attacking you, you probably have makeup somewhere else. And that she had like her makeup face print basically into the pillow because he had like shoved her head down into the pillow. Oh my God. What really breaks my heart is that Emily's dad, Mark, how do I want to say this? Anita didn't call the cops until nine 15 that next morning. But Emily's dad, Mark says that at 2 AM this, I don't know if this is the following day after, um, or the night of, or the morning of, but he says at 2 a.m. he woke up to a flood of missed calls and messages from his wife and daughter. There was a voicemail from Hannah, but he couldn't understand what she was saying. But in the background of that message, he hears his ex-wife Caroline scream, Emily's dead. 
Confused and probably a little bit delirious from having just woken up, he calls his mom and she was hysterically crying. And a cop gets on the phone and tells him, I'm sorry to tell you that your daughter Emily is dead. Like, obviously, Mark cannot believe this. And he even told the cop, no, she's not. She was just on my couch a few weeks ago, which I that has to feel like a fucking nut punch. I can't imagine how numb he must have felt. So he immediately gets on a flight to the UK and says he still can't believe it on the whole way there. And when he got there, he learned that Elliot said that she had died in her sleep. Yeah. Mark went on to say, quote, that didn't seem possible either. She was young, fit and healthy. Seeing my daughter in the morgue, it looked like she was just asleep. But when I shook her, nothing happened. I felt helpless. I just wanted to bring her back. And like you said, in the days following um, Emily's death, he went out, uh, Elliot went out and did a lot of partying with his friends. And at one point, he even got kicked out of a club for trying to pull down his pants and show his genitals. I guess he had gotten a tattoo. Some sources say that it was on like high up on his inner thigh, but some said it was like right above, like, I guess the pubic area. And it just was his own initials, EVT. (gasps) Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah, fucking egotistical son of a bitch. But, dude, keep your junk in your fucking pants. Oh. I mean, I guess cocaine will make you do some crazy shit, but um, he claimed I wouldn't Elliot, know. I've never done it. So. No, 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 no. Don't God. plan on it. Yeah, Elliot don't claimed, do cocaine. No, please don't, you guys. Elliot had claimed that over the next six hours, he, quote, slept with models and beauty queens, attended wild parties, spent hundreds of pounds on premium vodka, used cocaine, and had relationships with British reality TV stars. Like, this guy really likes to fucking glow. Like, I... I I hope he has the world's micro fucking penis and then <laughs> like none of this ever has happened that he has. Yeah. He feels like he has to do this shit. Sack of shit. Another thing is that um, after the recording, they arrested everybody like him and his parents for multiple charges. Mm-hmm. And um, only the parents made bail after that arrest. Mm. They threw support elliot parties at their house god damn after they got released on bail because they really thought that like they were just gonna get out the fucking delusion yeah the the like level of just distance from reality yeah it will never cease to amaze me with these people um one thing that i really didn't like is that in his recounting of what had happened, Elliot said that he woke up at 8.30 a.m. the following morning, ate some cereal, brushed his teeth, and went back to the room. He tried to put his hand, or he put his hand on the covers that were covering Emily and tried to wake her up by shaking her. Obviously, she didn't respond. He says that he put his hand on her right cheek and that she was cold. Um, he said, I froze for 30 seconds and thought, oh, shit, I better get, I better get my mom. He ran into mom's room and said, Emily's cold. Get out of bed now. Oh my god. Anita tried waking Emily up by shouting her name and shaking her and Elliot said he just left the room and went to go sit in the lounge for 15 minutes. And I think within this time Anita had called her husband Lee and that's when paramedics were called but it's the huge disconnect with this family is fucking bonkers. I cannot believe it. Um, So April 19th 2012 uh, the trial started which is my dad's birthday. Um, (laughs) they were, there were 242 witnesses that came forward. Elliot pleaded innocent to murder, but he and his parents all pled guilty to perverting the course of justice. Mm -hmm. Um, on the stand, Anita said that Emily had ruined her son's life, which this girl is dead. She doesn't have a life. Mm -mm. You took her life. Yeah. I don't, all of you did. Even if she didn't, even if she did ruin your son's life. You took her life. Yes. There is no... That's not equitable. No. Fuck you. Yes. Um, a professional said that Emily's eyes and lips had, quote, pinpoint bruising, which was consistent with the stranglehold, like, with her him mm. having her head in a headlock. Um, Fucking science is amazing, you guys. I know. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, on cross-examination, Elliot said that he had defended himself... He also admitted to threatening to kill Emily up to 15 times before actually Mm -hmm. doing it, but swore he never meant it. (laughs) Mark Longley said that he and Caroline both made eye contact with Anita a lot during the trial, and Mm -hmm. they never even saw a glimmer of remorse in her eyes. Um, (sighs) The trial was at Winchester Crown Court and lasted four weeks. The con- the jury convicted him two ten to two after nine hours of deliberation, which I thought that was so fascinating that um in 
the U.S., if that was how the jury had voted 10 mm-hmm. to 2, that would have been a hung jury. Right. Um, and we had to do it all over. Mm-hmm. That's so very really interesting. interesting. Yeah, that he was convicted on that. Um, Simon Jones, who was the Crown Advocate for the Crown Prosecution Service of Wessex, called the killing a, quote, shocking case of domestic violence. In throughout the course of the trial, it was revealed that Elliot had threatened um, Emily with a hammer in the club the night before. The hammer was found the next morning in their yard under a water butt, which I don't know hmm. what that means, but I'm assuming mm-hmm. that it's like some sort of a um, like a piping piece mm-hmm. uh, to bring water into their house. They showed the jury a video of the CCTV footage of them coming and going from the club. Um, her skirt was super short and her shirt and skirt like didn't meet. So like her midriff was showing. Mm. So I'm wondering if that maybe like furthered his rage yeah, that night because right. she was like clearly going out like maybe like looking like she might be looking for a new partner, sure. yeah. which like I'm not victim blaming at all. No. She looked super cute. Girls wear whatever you want. Hell but yeah. I just thought that was worth noting that maybe that did like enrage him a little bit more. Um, a friend said that when they left the club, Elliot was shouting on the street that Emily had, quote, ruined my life. She's twisted my heart. And her friend said that he had a hissy fit and tried to punch her at the club that night on the stand. He was super arrogant. He was he was actually on the stand for two days um, between all of the crosses and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And when the prosecution asked him if he felt bad, he said that he wasn't upset because it had happened over a year ago. What the fuck? What the fuck? Sociopath is what that makes me think. I don't know. I'm not a mental health professional, but no empathy. Um, He thought he was just going to convince everyone that he didn't kill her. She just simply died in his bed. He was really rude in his answers. He kept them super short. And Emily's mom said, to be honest, I think he showed his true colors in the witness stand being so rude Mm. to the prosecution. Mm. Mm -hmm. It was overseen by a female judge, which was fantastic she was fucking amazing yeah um linda dobbs justice linda dobbs is her name oh thank you i think yes. i have that somewhere else in my notes, <laughs> but not here um so at the end of four weeks uh-huh. he was found guilty on all charges yes um when the they decided that it was premeditated and when the ruling was read out elliot mouth bullshit wow 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 he was sentenced to life in prison with a 16 year minimum and his parents were sentenced to 27 months each Mm. um the court found that they had lied about the delay in calling the ambulance and they had removed a jacket from the scene of the crime and the father destroyed the letter so that was Mm -hmm. what like why they were um yeah found guilty what blows my fucking mind is that elliot like he is so stuck on not only stupid but believing that he can manipulate anything and everyone but like i really didn't like that when he was up on the stand he tried to spin it to where like they were so in love that night before and they were french kissing in his car and when they had gotten to his house emily had asked me to take her into the house like we were newlyweds but his friend tyler whatever i think his name was tyler or something he was also in the car with them so i don't know if they took tyler's car or something but tyler said that emily tried to lock elliot out of his own house oh so elliot had to force his way through the front door so like don't don't try to spin this but also emily was so fucking terrified of this fucking guy yeah but fucking newlyweds fuck out of (laughs) here um okay so then elliot submitted some appeals um for his evidence uh like the the bug being placed mm-hmm. illegally. So yeah. he's tried to say that all of their evidence was obtained illegally. Mm-hmm. Um, while That's he was waiting. Uh, yeah. While <laughs> he was waiting for his appeals, he wrote to Ashley Costello that he thought he was going to get out and he could and like his plans for what, them when he got out. Yes. Um, his appeal was thrown out after actually, this is not an exaggeration. Five minutes of deliberation. That's fucking awesome. (laughs) Um, A lot of Emily's friends were and family were in the court during the ruling, even some who had traveled all the way from New Zealand. Wow. Emily's mother, Caroline, who spent most of the hearing staring at Turner in the dock, said, quote, I just wanted him to look across and see something of Emily and me and be reminded of the life he snuffed out and that she goes on living through us. Oh, God. He is not eligible for parole again until July of 2027, which it's way too soon. It's way too soon. I cannot believe. But Britain has very different sentencing laws than us. Um, Yeah. And they have uh, 
they don't have the death penalty, um, nothing like that. So mm-hmm. this is what we are working with based mm-hmm. on their laws. Dur- while he was in prison, he has claimed that other inmates set his cell on fire. Never yes. happened. Nope. Um, and he says that he receives letters from his fan club, which are mostly women. <laughs> Uh, his parents were released from prison after they served just half of their sentences and they still live in that house where Emily died. Yikes. I hope she's haunting the fuck out of them. Me too. I hope they feel like they're getting suffocated every single fucking night they go to bed. Yeah. Sacks of shit. Since uh, her death, Emily's dad, Mark, has become an advocate for the White Ribbon Campaign, which mm. is a New Zealand-based campaign for um, domestic violence. Mm-hmm. November 25th is the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women, which we just passed. He launched the Always Safe House in mm-hmm. or campaign in her honor in Bournemouth. Mm. Um, so he's tried to really do a lot of good work. He has a podcast about yeah. his grief, um, which I am definitely going to listen to. I've not had a chance yet, but it was a short little um, podcast. It only had three episodes, but it was if you guys want to listen to it with us it's called death and then colon love grief and hope so yeah do you have anything else i do um so to go along with kind of mark's recovery and what he's doing since emily's death um mark did remarry to a woman named hillary they have a son named hunter mark says that his bond with hannah is even stronger than before and that she's incredibly close with her little brother in his interview with um that's life the australian magazine he said quote but it breaks my heart that emily and hunter never got to meet the world was a better place with my daughter in it she was such a force of life and i miss her every single day what i really like too um is that the college that she went to brockenhurst college um they are i don't know if they're still doing it but they did start a campaign and they taught students a lot about personal safety relationship safety road safety and cyber safety and the principal die roberts said quote we have a duty to our students to ensure that they remain safe not only on our campus but in the wider world and i guess to wrap this all up i guess we just need to say if you or anyone you know is, is experiencing abuse please reach out to someone there are so many amazing and helpful organizations out there for you guys um most specifically to this case if you're in australia you can call the 1-800 respect organization at 1-800-737-732 if you're in new zealand you can call the are you okay organization at 0800-456-450 and here in the united states you can call the national domestic violence hotline at 800-799-7233 or you can text start to 88788 confidential help is always available there 24 7 365 and they have specialists ready to speak to you in over 200 languages wow and in the uk oh yeah how did i miss that yeah you can call 0808-200-0247 which is the uh free phone national domestic abuse helpline run by refuge damn well what are we covering next i guess next week we are doing kaylee anthony oh Um, my god i'm so excited this is a super like controversial case right now because of Casey's documentary that has yeah. just come out. But we thought that it would be a good time to remind a lot of people about mm-hmm. the actual facts of this case because yes. they were a little bit missed in the Hulu documentary. So very heavily missed. Um, we're super excited. This is this is a super close to home case for me because mm. I am from Central Florida near uh, Orlando where this happened. Mm. Um, and I, so I have a, a few like anecdotes about this happen, like what happened during this case and cool. stuff. Um, Can't wait. Yeah, so that'll be fun. But I, we're gonna try and handle this as delicately as possible for yes. sure because this is a tough one. Well, I think that's it. But before we go, you guys, please, if you're listening through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave us a rating and a review. This really yes. helps us out in reaching more listeners and also increases our chances of engagement with you guys, which is what we're here for. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're an Apple Podcast, go ahead and open your Apple Podcast app. Scroll down to the very bottom of our product page and underneath where it says trailer, there's a section titled ratings and reviews where you can do your good deed for the day and just just 
give us stars. You don't even have to write anything if you don't want to. But if you're listening through Spotify, towards the top of our podcast page, underneath our cover art, there is a row of icons and a star. Please click that star and rate us that way. Uh, To further make sure you don't miss out on any new episodes, please also click that follow uh, follow button and turn on the notifications by tapping that bell icon. Um, Now, unfortunately, you can't leave any reviews in Spotify, but you are able to give us your feedback on each episode. So if you tap on the episode itself, there will be a Q&A section that you can reply to. Um, we will try and have different questions each episode to kind of make it more intuitive and engaging. Um, but just leave us the reviews. They're going to help out a lot. I think I think it would be cool if we started to pick out reviews to read on the show and to For give sure. you guys shout outs. So like hopefully that's a little bit of incentive. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's that's all I got. Um, if you want to follow the show on Instagram, we oh, are yeah. at your next pod. You can follow me at Emilio R. Yabara. That's the letter R. Um, you can follow me at Brooke Bovier. Um, and then our email, if you have a case suggestion or yeah. a feedback about the show that you want to yeah. leave, um, something like that, you can email us at your next pod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Oof. Well, I think that was a good one. I think I say this every single time, but I think we <laughs> that, that was a good episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, I um, I think that that's an important case that not enough podcasts cover because it is British. Um, right. So hopefully, hopefully more people will learn something for, for yeah. domestic violence prevention. All right. Uh, I hope everybody has a happy holidays if you oh, yeah. if this is like your last time listening to us before yeah. it better your, not be <laughs> well like before your personal festivities start because yeah. like yeah, everything yeah, yeah. starts at different times we will have right. more episodes out before Christmas because that is yes. the winter holiday that we celebrate yes. but um, whatever your holiday is have a happy one yes and be safe out there you guys we love you oh do you want to say your thing oh yeah be vigilant don't be don't next don't be next bye guys <laughs> bye, bye.